Good morning. Good morning. Wow. Looks like some people didn't get the memo that today was the time change, right? <laughs> so, to those of you who are now waking up and watching online, good morning. We are glad that you are joining us today. Uh, no, we're so glad that you're here. We want to welcome all of our visitors and guests. If you have any questions, please see me, any of the elders after after our services are concluded this morning. But we just we want to welcome you. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, we welcome you. We're always glad to have you guys a part of our worship as well. I also want to welcome Bailey, who is here with us this morning. That was a huge surprise. Uh, a couple of years back, Bailey was one of our interns for our uh, young ladies, and so anyway, she's coming back, I say, to visit Julie, not me. I think she loves my wife more than she loves me, but no, we're, we're just glad that she's here, and Caleb and his, his new wife, uh, we're, we're just glad to have you guys here today. All right, so last week, I began talking about the family. And in our first lesson, I talked about marriage. And if you missed that lesson, don't sweat it. You can go back onto our church webpage and watch any of those lessons. We also have a church podcast you can listen to as you're driving down the road. And we also have a church Facebook page you can join, be a part of, and you can go back, listen to any of those lessons, and also just stay attuned to what's going on at Central, and you can find those things off of our website as well. But today, we're going to be talking about parenting. How many of you would admit that parenting can be a challenge? I love, I love what Mark Twain once said. He said, when your kids get to be 13, he said, this is what you do. He says, you put them in a barrel, and you feed them through the knot hole. He said, when they turn 16, he said, plug the knot hole. <laughs> and so I think the point that Mark Twain's trying to, trying to make is that parenting at times, especially as you get into those teen years, can be challenging. But I will say that for me, parenting, and I think Julie will echo the same thing, for us, parenting has just been a tremendous joy. We have been truly blessed by our four kids and uh, I want to <laughs> share a couple of things with you about my kids, a couple of stories. Julie, this week, she was in a cleaning mode. And so she gets under our bed and she's pulling out totes and, and she's going through some of these totes that we store things in. And she starts pulling out some of our kids' journals. And uh, Julie, from the time our kids were little, she journaled some of the funny things that they would say and do. And, and so this week, she was taking pictures, sending them out to the family, and, and I received some of those texts. And so I, I just want to share a couple of these with you from my kids. When Liesl was around three years old, we were coming home from worship, and she said, Mom, she said, I am sweating. And Julie said, well, why, honey? And she said, because Daddy's sermon today. Now, I don't know what I said to a three-year-old in a lesson, but to make a three-year-old sweat, it, it, must have been, it must have been something else. Lena, she's not in here. She's going to kill me for this one. When she was three years old, 
she was using the bathroom and she yelled to Julie. She says, Mama, she says, come wipe me. Julie yelled back, okay, just a minute, to which Lena responded in a loud voice, don't you just a minute me. <laughs> Wonder where she heard that from. <laughs> oh man, Charleston, when she was four years old, we were, we were having a, a family study and she turns to me and she says, Daddy, where does God get His power? And I said, oh honey, I said, God's always had His power. And she said, no Daddy, I mean like Walmart, Winn-Dixie, <laughs> someplace like that. Well, how do you explain that to a four-year-old? And then probably one of my favorites is, is Shepard. When he was around three years old, I brought him to, to work with me. And it was a Wednesday, and I was teaching class that night. And, and I like to go over my lessons, whether I'm teaching or preaching, out loud. It just helps with creativity and communication. You guys, y'all don't get that. I know, it's, it's a me thing. But, but anyway, I, was, I, I sat him down at a table, and I gave him some toys to play with. And I just start going over my lesson out loud. And he's playing with his toys, and all of a sudden he stops, and he looks around the room, and he looks at me, and he says, Dad, and I said, yeah. He said, no one's here. <laughs> and again, it's one of those moments like, yeah, I know, you're right. I, I don't know how to explain that, right, to, to a three-year-old. So anyway, for Julie and I, and there's so, so much more, man. I mean, she's got a book this thick of just about each one of our kids, and they're just so funny, and and great to go back and look at. They just brought us a lot of joy. But it comes to a question, and, and I want you guys to, to really think about this as parents. What is our primary priority? Right? In, in raising our, our children, what is our primary priority? And if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. A parent's primary Priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependent, dependence away from you as a parent until their dependence rests solely on God. Okay, let me, let me say that again. Our primary priority as a mom, as, as a dad, is to gradually transfer dependence. Because you see, when our kids are little, who do they depend on? They depend upon us, right? As their parents, they depend upon us for everything. But over time, as parents, we're to help transfer that dependence to God. To the only one who will ever be able to completely take care of them and, and be there for them in every single way, meeting all their greatest needs. And so that we teach them to depend on God. Now, some of you may be thinking this morning, well, where does that come from? Well, look with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. While you're looking there, I want to kind of set the context. If you back up to Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses has just revealed to the people of Israel the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments was basically just ten 
rules, right? That God wanted His people to live by. And, and, and here's the reason why. God knew that if they would do these ten things, they would be extremely blessed. And not only them, but others around them would be blessed as well. But then after Moses reveals these Ten Commandments from God, in chapter 6, Moses follows that up by giving the people of Israel what I believe is some of the greatest teaching on parenthood in all of Scripture. Just look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that, who church? So that you, and who else? Your children, and who else? Their children, after them, may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And, and so, notice what Moses says here. He says, as you, as a parent, as you fear God, as you live out God's commands for yourself, and then as you teach your children to fear God and live out His commands, then guess what? That continues on for another generation which is really awesome to think about. God, listen to me parents, God has put within you the power to change generations to come. Do you realize that? As you get into God's Word and as you live out God's Word, you're not just, you're not just changing your own life, you're changing the lives of your children, which in turn will change the lives of their children. God has, has given us that ability and, and God has given us that power. And some of you may be saying, well, Slate, but, but how do I do that? Well, I think Deuteronomy chapter 6 points out two really important things. First of all, number one, we do that by loving God. Look at verse 5 now. Moses goes on to say, Love the Lord your God with what church? With all your heart and with all your what? With all your soul and with all your what? And with all your strength. Notice, notice what Moses says. He says, love your God. And, and look how much we are to, to love God. He says, I want you to love God with everything you got. I want you to love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. Right? God wants everything that we've got. He doesn't want us to love Him just a little bit. He doesn't want us to love Him with just a small percentage of our heart. He wants everything that we've got. Listen to me, parents. One of the most dangerous things that we can do as parents is to expose our children to just a little bit of God. How many of you, how many of you have ever received the flu shot? Okay, several of you have, and I think probably most of you know what the flu shot is, right? It's just a little bit of the flu that's put into you to help you immune to the whole thing, right? Well, I would argue that as parents, even many times, unknowingly even, we can give our children just a little bit of God. 
And in doing so, that is so dangerous because we make them immune to His goodness and His glory and His power and His majesty. Do our kids know just a little bit about God? Or do they know Him personally? Intimately? In a life-changing way because that's what God wants. But it, it starts with us as parents, right? And, and I'm, 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 I'm going to share this with you this morning. I'm, I'm just going to be real honest with you this morning as, as parents. Um, we live in a world where there are a lot of things that can distract us from loving God with all our heart. And so we have, to, we have to be careful. For, for example, okay, as, as parents, we want to provide for our kids. And, and of course, that's important, right? And, and, and so we may be tempted to think with good intentions even, if I can just give my kids more than I had growing up, then that will be of, of value to them. And so we work hard and we pour into our careers trying to give them more things that we have and yet what our children are really thirsty and hungry for is us. And more importantly, God. We want to provide them with the best opportunities that we can give them. And so we get them in soccer and ballet and gymnastics. And all of a sudden, we organize their schedule to be busy. And in our culture, in our world today, listen, that's the norm. And, and, and our world tells us, look, that's healthy. If you, if you want your kids to be healthy, then you need to keep them busy. You need to keep them going. They need to be a part of everything. And so we work hard to make sure that happens. We even buy a nice car to transport them in. And then when they get to be 16 years old, they've got to have a car because, you know, if they didn't get a car at 16, that'd be borderline child abuse. Right? And then we save up so that they can get the greatest education. And before long, if we're not careful, we become child-centered parents rather than God-centered parents. Shake your head this morning if you get what I'm saying. We can teach our children that the world revolves around them instead of them revolving their world around God. And man, that can be so dangerous for our kids. For, near, for nearly 27 years of ministry, I've seen families come and go. And there have been times when I've been able to talk to some of these families that I haven't seen in a really long time, and I'll say, hey man, we have missed you. Where have you been? And, and this is like the number one answer. We've just been so busy. Now, I just want you to think about this. And I want you to answer this honestly to yourself. What kind of message do you think that sends to our kids? Is being a part of worship, being involved in really 
plugged into the church family, is, is that important? Is it important to our kids? Let me share with you some statistics. This is what statistics say. If mom and dad attended worship and were active in a church family, then 72% of kids will be as adults. That's impressive, isn't it? If only mom attended worship and was active, the percentage drops down to 15%. This one's really eye-opening because oftentimes as dad, we, dads, we really don't think we have much of an impact on our kids. If only dad attended worship and was active, it's back up to 55%. But then watch this last one. It's so sad. If neither mom nor dad attended worship and were active, and, and let, me, let me give some perspective to what we're talking about as far as active in, involvement, okay? It's not just coming and filling a pew. That's spectating, Right? Y'all understand what I'm saying here when I say active. I'm talking about being involved in the church family. Notice, if mom and dad are not active and involved in attending worship, then only about 6% of the kids who grow up in that actually end up following Christ and are active in the church themselves. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Because as we do that as parents, as our kids see that, parents, man, it not only changes us, it changes them in, in generations to come. But then also as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, we also see that we do this by leading our family. Look, look back to, to Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. And, and man, I want you to see the spiritual leadership here, okay? L listen to these words. These commands that I give you today are to be where, church? Upon your hearts, your, your hearts as, as parents. But then what else are we supposed to do with it? Keep reading. Impress them on your children. Don't just keep it to yourself. Right? we got to impress these things upon our children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie the symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and, and on your gates. In, in other words, these spiritual conversations can't just be had on Sundays, right? In Bible class or in a setting like this or on, on Wednesdays, right? As, as parents, we're to be leading our children spiritually every single day. As we're sitting at home, as we're walking along, as, as we've got our kids in the back seat and we're traveling to T-ball or, or whatever, dropping them off at school, we're, we're having these conversations with our kids about God. We lead our children spiritually. Edward Duke of Windsor said this about America. He said, The thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their children. Let me ask you a question, parents. Are you leading your children or are they leading you? Think about that. As parents, we're to lead them spiritually. We set the tone. 
And you say, well, how do we do that? Well, look, look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. This is, this is kind of a fascinating passage. Notice what it says, parents. Train children to what, church? To live the right way, and when they are old, what will happen? They will not stray from it. And, and so notice what he says. Train your children to do the right things, and here's the deal. As they get older, they'll continue to do the right things. That's why it's so important for us to be the parents that we need to be, to train our children. I want to talk just a moment about what that word train means. In the Hebrew, it's the word chonak. And the word actually means the palate of the mouth. If you look to the Old Testament, during, during those times, when a Hebrew woman would have a baby, the Hebrew midwife, she would take her finger, dip it into some paste, and put it on the palate of the baby's mouth. And the purpose of that was to make that baby hungry. It, it was to initiate a hunger so that the baby would thirst. Or, or, or to be hungry to nurse. Now, parents, we do the same. We chonak. We, we train our children by initiating a craving for that which is true, right, pure, and holy. Julie and I have always tried to help our kids see that even though we do things very differently from the world at times. We have always tried to instill within our kids that, you know what, it's awesome to be a Christian. You don't have to break God's commands. You don't have to do things that you know are wrong to, to have fun. I, I know in the world, oftentimes what our kids here, and, and maybe you guys have this impressed upon you, is, you know what? God's holding you back. God's keeping you from really enjoying yourself. With these rules, you know, it's, it's all about Him just kind of keeping order and, and keeping you in check. No, God gave us His Word to bless our lives. And one of the things Julie and I have tried to do is to teach our kids what a blessing it is to live by that. And so, man, we'll go camping with the kids when they're, they're younger. We would go to Disney, and we still do that together as a family. And we'd have a movie night. We'd sit down, and, and we'd watch a Christian movie with some popcorn and candy. And, and uh, you know, there were, there were other things that, that we would do with our kids to teach them that, you know what, it's awesome to be a Christian. And in the end, what we wanted them to be able to say is, you know what, godly living works. The Christian life is the blessed life. God knows what He's talking about. Again, again, parents, our role is to transfer dependence so that they no longer depend upon us, but they depend upon God. And we do that by loving God ourselves with all of our heart. And we do that by leading and, and training our kids. And, and listen, if we don't do those things. If we just leave our kids out here in this world to chance, I'm telling you, we can kiss them goodbye. They'll be gone. I, I want to close out this morning with three additional needs 
that our kids have. And these come straight from Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 13. It says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that He could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Him. When Jesus saw what was happening, He was angry with His disciples. He said to them, Let the children come to Me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then He took the children into His arms, and He placed His hands on their heads, and He blessed them. Three things that I think we can learn from Jesus here, parents. First of all, our kids need a loving touch. Go back to verse 13. People, parents were were bringing their children to Jesus to do what? To touch them and to bless them. Why? Because there is power in loving, appropriate touch. Our kids, they, they need affection from us as parents. I read a a couple of years back in the 13th century, there was a king, King Frederick II, and he he performed this experiment. He brought in 50 kids, 50 50 babies. And he, he got some ladies who would take care of these babies with these restrictions. They were not to speak to the babies. They were not to hold and rock the babies. They were not allowed to show any affection or emotion towards these babies. All they could do is just feed them and change their diapers and make sure that they would clothe and then put them back. Within a year, all 50 of the babies died. And here's the deal. It wasn't because of a lack of physical nourishment, but because they were lacking emotional and relational nourishment, they didn't have the affection, the touch that was so important. There is power in loving, appropriate touch. If you back up to to Mark chapter 6, we see that people, when Jesus would go to their villages and towns, verse, verse 56, it says that they would put their sick out in the marketplace and they would beg to touch Jesus. And upon touching Him, guess what? The Bible says that they were healed. It's kind of interesting, the word touch appears in the Gospel some 20 times in regard to Jesus. And every single time the word touch appeared in reference to Jesus, it always was in regard to healing. There is power in loving and appropriate touch. There, there is healing. And some of you parents have experienced this. One, one of the best things that we as parents can do sometimes for our kids is to just draw them in close and give them a hug and hold them. Right? Now, as they get older, that becomes a little bit more difficult. And, you know, at, at times you'll try and reach in for a hug and they're, they, they kind of stand off and they act like they're embarrassed and, and they act like they don't want it. But studies show, even into the teen years, they desperately want it and they desperately need it. And that's not just, that's not just girls, that's boys as well. They, they need that loving touch 
and in affection. Something else Jesus teaches us is that our children need abundant time. Someone once asked a question, how do you spell love? The answer, T-I-M-E. Our kids need time. If you look back to Mark chapter 10, the story that I just told you, the parents are bringing these kids to Jesus. And, and when the disciples see them coming, they're like trying to turn them away. No, Jesus is busy. Jesus doesn't have time for your kids. And notice what it says. When Jesus saw what was happening, how did He feel about it? He was angry. He was upset. He said, no, I'll make time for the kids. Bring your kids to me. Jesus knew the importance of time with children. Now, oftentimes we can miss this, parents. We're tempted to think, man, I've got to get some things done first. I've got to graduate. I've got to get my degree. So I can make more money. And then after I do all of that, then I'll have time for my kids. Or, or I need to work a little harder or a little longer so I can get that promotion at work. But probably around the holidays, probably on vacation, I'll, I'll make more time for my kids. Listen to me, parents. I'm going to be real with you. If you don't take the time now, you may not get that time. One of the things I've learned as a parent is, man, just the other day my kids were this big. Now, Shepard, who's my youngest, he's almost as tall as I am. He's almost grown and gone. That time only lasts for a short time. A well-known preacher was once asked by a reporter, if you had your life to do over again, what would you do differently? And this is what he didn't say. He didn't say, I would have spoken at more congregations. Or, or I would have written more books. Or, or, or I would have taken more time doing for other people. No, this is what he said when I asked, what would you do differently if you had your life to do over again? He said, I would have spent more times with my kids. James chapter 4, verse 14. What is your life? It's a mist. It's here for a short time and then it's, it's gone. So take, take advantage of the opportunities now that you have with them. And then lastly, no amount of, I know I'm out of time, but encouraging talk. This is, this is so important. Look at, look at Mark chapter 10 one more time, verse 16. And, and Jesus took the children into His arms and He put His hands on them and He watched church. He blessed them. I love that. I, I, wish, I, I wish I knew what Jesus said there. But I don't. But, but what I do know is this. Whatever He said was a blessing. He encouraged them. He lifted them up. He didn't say things like, you're worthless, you're lazy, you're dumb, you're terrible, you can't do anything right, you're never going to amount to anything, why can't you be more like your sister or your brother? No, He, he blessed them. He encouraged them. One of the most important things that we can do as parents is to speak life into our kids instead of speaking death. They need encouragement from, from you. I think about the Father, our Heavenly Father. The times that's recorded in Scripture of Him speaking audibly to His Son, Jesus, this is what He says. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. He says, this is My Son who I what? 
whom I love. And with him I am what? I am well pleased. My dad told me growing up, he says, I can tell I can count on one hand the times that my dad told me that he loved me. He said, You just didn't do it back then. He said, I knew my dad loved me. But he said, I, I can only account for about maybe five times where he actually told me. Even the father told his son, I love you. And he was so proud of him. In, in him, I am, I am well pleased. When the last time you told your kids, man, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. Man, you've grown up to be a, a strong Christian young man or a strong Christian young woman. Or, or man, I, I'm just so proud of, of just how you, how you do life. You always got a smile on your face, an encouraging word. You know, you're, you're always trying to help others. There's so many ways that we can encourage our kids. But I think these things are important. Parenting is important. Let's pray. God, we just thank You so much for the responsibility that You've, you've laid at our feet as parents. Father, we pray that You'll help us to have the strength, the courage to be able to step up and, and be who we need to be, to not get so distracted by the things of this world to truly show our kids, not just by the things that we say, but by the way we're living, that we truly love You, that You are the most important thing, the most important one in our lives. And Father, we just pray that we will raise up a generation that will be just like You. That we will continue to pour into our kids that we'll continue to love our kids just as You love Jesus, just as You love us, Father. Father, we pray that You will just protect their hearts. Father, it just seems like uh, there are things surrounding our kids today from every side that's pulling them in every direction away from You. Protect their hearts. Protect their minds. And Father, as parents, help us to help them to be able to do that. And Father, we just pray this prayer in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. We want to go ahead and extend an invitation. Before I do that, I want, to, I want to give you the same disclaimer that I gave you last Sunday as I talked about marriage. Julie and I, we're not perfect parents and we didn't raise perfect kids. And so we don't want you walking out of here thinking that we are or that we look down upon any, anyone. Listen, these are things that we try and live by and we struggle with as well. And so hopefully together... You know, as parents, we can be the parents that we need to be. But pray about it. Pray for your kids every single day. They're, they're facing challenges that, for most of us, we can't even begin to understand. If you're here today and you have not put on Christ in baptism, 
man, I would love to talk to you about that. I'd love to talk to you about Jesus and what He's done for you dying on a cross so that all your sins, doesn't matter what you've done, can be completely washed away in His blood. Or if you're here today and, and maybe you just need prayers for, for some reason, look around. You've got a, a large church family who would love to pray with you. And, and I, I guarantee you that if you come forward, there'll be some people put their arms around you and, and will probably say, I've been there too. I struggle with that too. And so you're not alone. And, and that's the blessing of being a part of a family like this. But if you have a need for any reason, you can come and together we stand and ask.